Sunday of 2020, and we get to kick it off with Month at the Movies. Pretty great. So yes, we'll be watching Lion King. This will be the, you knew it, all right, you, you discovered that. It's going to be the 2019 version, the remake. So and may, you may have some differing views on that, but it's pretty much the same story. If you're familiar with The Lion King, it's a little bit different visuals. Okay, if you're new to the Nation's Church and you haven't been to Month at the Movies before, um, just to let you know a little bit of the format, we're going to watch about a 25-minute clip of The Lion King, and then we're going to have a short message to kind of set the topic or the focus for um, our time this morning, and then we're going to break out into very small groups, if I can even call them that, because they're going to be about two people, maybe a little bit more, um, to discuss a few of the points that we hear this morning, and then we'll wrap it up at the very end with another message and conclude our service this morning. So without further ado, were you guys ready to start the movie? And church, yes? Okay. Well, let's start it up, and here's Lion King. Amazing. Well, that is part one of our Lion King clip, and we're going to use that to focus on a topic this morning that um, is entitled The Pride of Life. And if you have your booklets with you, you can fill that in. On the, on the page there, the pride of life. And it comes from this passage in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. And it reads this, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Okay? In this verse of Scripture, it tells us that in this world are a lot of things that we desire that are seen and temporary that we want to make us feel a sense of pride. And this pride of life refers to anything in this world that's temporary, that makes us feel that we want to feel that uh, important, safe, secure, a success. But this, these things don't come from the Father, right? Do you remember when Mufasa said to his son on Pride Rock that the reign and the rule of a king rises and falls like the sun? Even something as powerful as a king's reign, it's temporary. It all fades away, yeah? And the pride of life really is when we look towards the things of this earth, the things that we can see to make us feel like we have importance, to feel like we're okay, secure, and good in life. And this is something that we see young Simba <laughs> dealing with, right? So he, he, he says to to Nala as they're running to the elephant graveyard. Don't worry, trust me, I got this. Follow me to freedom. When actually, <laughs> he was leading them into a trap. Simba also 
wants to go to the graveyard, the elephant graveyard, because he believes that this is going to make him feel not like a cub anymore because they won't treat us like cubs anymore. This is what it means, that I'm going to be somebody. They're going to treat me like a king, right? And so that's why he wants to go there. And when we didn't get to technical difficulties, but when Nala was scared that, okay, there's some, I sense some threats and some dangers here. Let's get out of here. What does Simba say? He says, danger. <laughs> I laugh in the face of danger pridefully. And then all of a sudden, at the same time, you'll see these group of hyenas right there in a very dangerous situation. So what we're going to do is talk a little bit of pride today because the Bible talks a lot about pride. And it's something that all of us of all ages have to deal with. And it's something that the Bible addresses constantly because it takes away from God being able to work in us and through us. C.S. Lewis, you've heard of him, he calls pride a spiritual cancer eating up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. Pride is a spiritual cancer. It's so true. Andrew Murray says it this way, pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. Yeah? If you want something of heaven to live in you, then pride has to die. Otherwise, the things of God in his life and who he is cannot live in you and cannot work through you. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs 16, 18. And here's your first point that you can write down. Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. Okay. And so we see in this clip that Simba's pride, it, it's actually, he thinks it's to freedom, to everything he wants, but it's actually leading him to a trap, to destruction. Yeah? And, and this is what the Bible tells us again and again, what pride does in our life. There's another word for pride that the Bible uses to, to descri describe pride, and that's self-righteousness. Not God's righteousness, but self-righteousness. It is simply self-righteousness is me trying to make things right on my own. Yeah? Remember Scar when he said in the very beginning, life is not fair? Life is not fair. You know, some of us are born to feast while others are hiding in the dark, just waiting for the scraps. So what is Scar going to do with this? He's going to try to make it right on his own. We'll see that in the next part of the story. And that's what self-righteousness is. Let's read this in Romans chapter 10, verse 3. It says, since they do, did not know the righteousness of God and, and sought to establish their own righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness. When we have self-righteousness, we do not submit to God's righteousness, and we cannot know God's righteousness if we do not submit to His righteousness because all we have is our own righteousness because we're trying to set things right in our own life, in our own way. That's really what self-righteousness is. And so the only way to not be self-righteous, the only way to not be self-righteous is to submit under God's righteousness. 
That's why the Bible tells us, Jesus told us this in Matthew chapter 6, to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness of how God makes things right. Yeah? Our right relationship with Him because He knows how to set things right. And so we are to seek His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things that we need and desire will be added to us. That's our focus. And self-righteousness, when we try to set things right in our own ways, we become very weak to temptation. Very weak to temptation. You know, Scar wasn't deliberately tempting, um, excuse me, not directly tempting Simba to say, yeah, go to the elephant graveyards. No, he was speaking to his pride that he doesn't want to be seen as a cub. He wants to be seen as a king right? And so he was tempting Simba, and Simba, because he had that pride in him, he started to listen to the temptation and not to his, what his dad said, right? And we see this in Romans chapter 7, verse 5, when we have, when we live by the flesh, okay, we are easily tempted for, for the things that the, 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 the devil and the enemy wants us to do. So let's read this in Romans chapter 7, verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, that means flesh simply means acting in our own self-efforts to have life apart from God in our own way, the sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear fruit for death. So when we do try to set things in our own way, right in our own way, self-righteousness, then the rules, don't go there, Simba, become a place where our sinful passions are aroused. We, are, we, want, we want to rebel against what God has given to us in terms of His command, right? That becomes the, the natural. And that's why the Bible talks about pride in a very specific way and often. So what we're going to do now is take some of what you heard today, and we're going to discuss that into in small groups. We're going to have a discussion time. This discussion time is for a couple of purposes. One is to get you guys moving a little bit, meet some new people, talk a little bit, connect as the church, and just have some discussion and disciple one another, especially our young ones, in the things that we're talking about. Okay? So we talked about how the first point, pride comes before destruction, right? And the Bible says it in many different ways, that pride comes before fall. Um, but there's another thing that God also tells us, that it is God who then exalts the humble, all right? Mufasa was probably the, the symbol of humility, of the humbleness, in his age, probably. Yeah. Many places it tells us that even though that God is high and he is almighty, he favors the lowly. But the arrogant, the haughty, the prideful, he knows from afar. That, that comes from Psalms 138.6. So there's many places that tells us in the Bible that God loves, favors, and exalts the humble. But the best example, guys, if I can have your attention, the best example is Jesus. Is really Jesus, who is 
the Son of God, but he was humble and of lowly heart as he walked on here on earth. And God did something. He raised him. We'll read this in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5 through 9. And listen to this, because this is not just about Jesus. This is actually about us, okay? So listen to this. In your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Christ himself was like God in everything. He was equal with God, but he did not think that being equal with God was something to be held on to. He gave up his place with God and made himself nothing. He was born as a man and became like a servant. And when he was living as a man, he humbled himself and was fully obedient to God. Because that's what humility and humbleness helps us do, is obey God. For Jesus, this obedience led to death. We read on here that he obeyed even when that caused his death, death on a cross. This is what the Bible is saying. We are to think like, act like Jesus in this way. So God raised Christ to the highest place and made God, I mean, God made the name of Christ greater than every other name. Okay? In 1 Peter chapter 5, it reads, All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Pride, with pride comes disgrace, but with humility, God gives His grace. He gives grace to the humble. So it says in verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that He may exalt you at the proper time. What I'm hoping is that through your conversation, even be, be it sh short, that it allows for God and the Spirit of God to show you what prideful things might be there, right? Because we've all made those statements, haven't we? <laughs> I don't need help. I don't need anyone. I won't apologize until she apologizes first. We, we, these are common things, but they help us understand where and what pride can look like. And when we know what it looks like, then we need to be able to humble ourselves before God's mighty and loving hand. Because if we don't, nothing of heaven can live inside of us. God cannot work in us or through us. In fact, it just leads to more and more of a lack of life. Because life is with God and apart from Him is nothing but death. Yeah. There's a quote that I've heard. I don't know who said it. I haven't found it yet, but it says, Pride is concerned with who is right. Humility is concerned with what is right. That's the basis of humility. And what is right is to submit under God's righteousness. That's how we aren't self-righteous. Because there are things in your life, all of our lives, that we need and we want so much to feel important, to feel loved, to feel um, safe, and all these things that we're trying to do in our own way. 
that's against self-righteousness. In order to not be self-righteous, we have to submit under God's righteousness. That means saying, God, you make things right. I can't have right relationship with you. I can't prove myself to you. Thank you that you've already made that right relationship with me. Let that be your identity. Yeah? Those things protect us from pride that then leads to destruction. So, as James says in chapter 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. In his right time. And I think that's an important message and truth for all of us to take into our homes and share with one another. And let God do that in our marriages, in our relationships with our kids, with our parents, grandparents, work, all of them. So that heaven can live through us. So that we can be light in this world. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray together. As we pray together, we'll have one last worship song and close our service today. Father, thank you for your everlasting, life-giving truths. Thank you for bringing the topic of pride into our hearts today. I know, Father, is a message that is so timely for many of us. And to those who know that this is a message that God is already bringing to your hearts for a very specific purpose, heed, listen, and humble yourselves before Him. Let Him deal with that pride, wherever that is, and let Him minister to your heart and submit under Him. Put yourself under Him. And Father, we pray that, Lord, you will do your marvelous, miraculous and grace-filled work in us. Thank you so much for how you, in your right time, will lift us up, exalt us in your way. Father, for your purpose and for your kingdom. We love you and thank you for this wonderful day and this new year as we come and humble ourselves before you and not take this year and grab it with what we want and how we want it to be, but we just come under your authority under your will so that you can set it right. To yours be the kingdom and the glory and the honor forever. In Jesus we pray. Amen.